Welcome to the Leo Learning Podcast, helping global organizations move learning to the heart of business strategy. Find us at leolearning.com. Today, Leo Strategic Development Manager, Patrick Thomas, and Content Specialist, Jared Orlin, are discussing the power of learner analytics. Hi, Patrick. Hi, Jared. Thanks for joining me today. Today, we're going to be discussing an interesting subject, learner analytics, which is something you know quite a lot about in your role in the business. You've had quite a few roles working in consulting. You're still doing that. You've been a business unit director in the ops and the production side of things, uh, marketing as well. So um, is this a particularly complicated scientific subject? I mean, it can be, but that's not what I wanted to talk about today. I think for us, it's really important to just get started. And so what I want to do today is just pose some really general questions to you and just get you sort of oriented around the principles of learner analytics and that it's easy to just get started. So I think in general, let's, we should probably look at the levels of complexity here when we're talking about learner analytics and there are borrowing from our colleagues over at watershed they've got a model that looks at four different levels of complexity around around learner analytics the first level is around simple measurement so it's the collecting of data and inputs from learner experience and it gets a bit more complicated when you start looking at the evaluation of that data and how you're making sense of the data, putting it into charts, and then ultimately to look at how you can draw correlations around that data. And that's more, that's more advanced evaluation. And finally, the holy grail that I think everybody is aiming for is this predictive and prescriptive analytics. And that is much further down the road there are organizations that are doing that and they are they are experimenting with it because they have they've been running for several years in the collection and evaluation of their of their current data and learning programs which is fantastic but frankly the majority of client, our clients out there aren't that far into it we need to get people working with data inputs looking at the measurement of their learning experiences doing some evaluation, some really basic evaluation, and proving that this is a worthwhile endeavor to their senior stakeholders, unlocks more budget. We just need to get started with looking at valid, repeatable data inputs of learning experiences and okay. then drawing some correlations from, or trying to draw some correlations and, um, on that data. So you say it increases in complexity. What does that mean for this idea of using predictive analytics to change how we would deliver learning materials? Well, so <clears throat> that's a good question. I think a lot of people, uh, a lot of people are talking about using AI as a form of sort of support mechanism to aid the predictive uh, changes that need to be made yeah. in, in learning programs, and I'm and I don't think you need to go that far. Yes, there are there are tools out there that you can use. Uh, I think that for the most part, when you're looking at predictive analytics, I, you know you can look at you can look at how people score. If you're just looking at assessments, for example, you can look at how some people score in a particular question, and for those people who score continuously score or those people who score 
positive on a question and then end up passing the assessment altogether, you can start to understand that that question potentially is a shorter route for learners. Uh, and you could, by only asking one question, potentially, you could shorten the learner journey that that person is experiencing through your learning program. And conversely, if people are getting the question wrong, then you can start to think about how you might uh, intervene with additional supportive materials, knowing that people get a particular question wrong. So that's the kind of predictive analytics I think you can do in a basic form without going down the route of bringing in AI and additional third-party tools like that. And if you wanted to go the artificial intelligence route, where, where would you go with that? Right, so it's really compelling. Um, and I think that there are, uh, there are tools out there probably worth another, another uh, podcast altogether, but there are, uh, there are tools out there that could then aid in the, certainly in how you correlate, so a correlation engine, but then also okay. using those correlations to uh, support you in wider program initiatives. And those would be likely tied into some of your biggest, bigger business drivers. So you would be tying in, say, an AI system and looking at some fundamental programs that you might have. Uh, and you would probably have your leadership looking at uh, those programs that are tied directly to revenue development or profitability, production, quality, and brand reputation. That's those, are the, those, those, those kind of big uh, business drivers would support the inclusion and development of an AI tool within your business. So are we talking about learning programs or looking at learner behaviors? Right. So that's, that's a good question. We, uh, there are different levels, different categories of analytics. And I think it's important for organizations to think through the level at which they want to measure and evaluate their programs. So you could start with looking at the overall experience of a learning program. So that would be in its most basic form, looking at say an e-learning program, and you might be looking at uh, you know, frequency of use, time of day, device, you know, where people spend more time in the program, where people might be getting questions wrong or spending more time with questions. You might be looking at, in that case, where there are resources that simply aren't getting used at all. And so that's the kind of stuff that you could then pare back a program because it isn't effectual. Or you can see those things that are popular and you can start to do more of that. So that's the kind of ex learning experience. And it's more complicated format. Think about blended learning programs. Think about how your classroom events and additional third-party ebooks might or videos might play into the program. All of those play into learner analytics and all of those would be things that you would want to start to think about and measure. Taking another look at it, apart from the learning experience, you might then want to look at the learner. And you might want to then look at individuals or groups or teams. You could even expand it out depending on 
your capacity to be able to look at that much data. And then what you're trying to do in that case, when you're looking at the learner analytics is, are you able to make certain guesses with the data that you have on particular teams or individuals and, and usage? Uh, and that's really that's really quite interesting when you are when you're looking at underperforming or, or even overperforming teams. And then you go another level and you might want to be looking at the overall program. So what would be program analytics? Program analytics might be things like uh, health and safety. You might have like a compliance suite that you were looking at. You know, it'd be any of these strategic programs that are run within an organization. And so you would want to then start to look at the efficacy of that program. How important is it for people to know what it is that they want to measure upfront? You should absolutely be thinking about upfront what you want to measure. In order to get started, you need to think through very much what do you want to measure and why do you want to measure it? And, you know, there are going to be questions. It's, it, you know, what are you going to do with that information? So think about your appetite. So you know, how many people do you have on your team to help you with this? If you're just one person, then, uh, and you're going to be taking, and you're, start, you're a small company and you're starting small, and you're just running data inputs into an Excel spreadsheet, I would say you don't want to measure the world. I would say, uh, I would say that you probably want to start small but you probably want to pick a project that has got the eyes of a, of a senior uh, stakeholder that you can then go back and show them what you are doing with this, with this data. Right, because it's important to show the value of these measuring efforts. Is this something that could be used as a means to unlock leadership support? Oh, absolutely. I th and in fact, I think you want to be cagey with this. I think you want to think through your starting program uh, I think you want to have the eyes and ears of a senior sponsor, potentially pick one of their pet projects or, pit, or pick a program that you particularly want to see gain traction, then start with that. And, you know, you might want to look at, you know, the performance of a particular program that you've got in place. Is there any kind of urgency about that program? You might want to even consider... If you run customer SAT scores, you might want to consider looking at a low performing or a high performing business unit or program that you have that is benchmarked to customer SAT scores. You know, you could look at uh, whole markets. So is there an underperforming market that you, for your product or service? Is there an overperforming market? I think that both are, both are relevant things to be looking at. If there's an overperforming market, there is a tendency to leave them alone, or there's a tendency to give them more, more budget to continue what they're doing. But if you don't know why they are overperforming as opposed to the underperforming, then, then I think you've got a problem because you don't understand where the success is so that you can do more of those really good things that seems to be working in that market. And then if you run employee or customer engagement stats and surveys, Gosh, it might be it might be a good place to start there, depending on your most recent employee survey results. That potentially might be a pro, that might be a place to go. So I'm going to guess that a clearly defined position within your organization's data protection standards and a review of your data protection officer is the critical thing here. 
Yes, indeed. Everybody's talking about GDPR right now and, yeah. and the impact of, of GDPR uh, here in Europe. You know, it is in the news every single day now. There's mm -hmm. about organizations, large and small, that have data bleeds into uh, into the uh, great big world. And so, yes, what we're doing here is we're asking to pull in learning data, but you are also looking to drill down to individual scores and individual performance with resources. And in order to do that, you need to start capturing personal information. So you should absolutely be in close collaboration with your data protection officer. You should absolutely understand your, your data protection standards. And if you're going to be using third-party tools, you need to understand what their data protection standards and, and protocols are and make sure that they are all compliant with the relevant laws. And that is something that we are supporting our clients with right now but if we're if we're talking about in you know starting small with your internal with an internal program and using excel you know loop in with your data protection officer if you are pulling in a correlation engine to support you and your data is being moved off of off of site then you're going to want to scrutinize very carefully their data protection protocols you've been listening to the leo learning podcast helping global organizations move learning to the heart of business strategy. Visit leolearning.com for more insights into leading the learning revolution. Be sure to check out part two of this podcast for more of the conversation. Welcome to the Leo Learning Podcast helping global organizations move learning to the heart of business strategy. Find us at leolearning.com. In this second and final part of our series on the power of learner analytics, Leo Strategic Development Manager, Patrick Thomas, and Content Specialist, Jared Orlin, discuss informal learning, getting management buy-in, and working with data. So you've spoken about small organizations and large organizations looking into to measuring and learning analytics. Is there a model that Leo would use to engage with clients on this? Yes. And this is a model that certainly can be applied in any size organization. You always start with, with business drivers. So you, you, you've, picked your, you've picked your program, right? and you understand what your key business drivers are to that program, or at least you have your defense in place for those key business drivers. And that is all around uh, the defense of why you're trying to measure this particular program. The next step is around looking at the delivery or the engagement of the learning. If I'm in L&D, how will I know if something has landed, that I can report that back? And that's a question that, that we work with our clients. And there are some pretty basic things that you would want to start looking at. So things that we already know about are scores and completion rates that are tracked in an LMS. But 
challenge that I would pose to customers is clearly there are there are going to be additional things to consider. So classroom attendance, it might even be around, you could put in place acceptance of materials. So you might in a compliance program have tick boxes that say that somebody has, has accepted that they have, have read these materials. Okay. It might be access to resources and websites. And so you want to start tracking access to these related resources. And then it's certainly all of the questions around frequency and scores and in assessments. So those are the kinds of engagement questions we would be working with our clients to sort of explore and see which ones can we reliably measure, which ones we can pull over a regular period of time. You know, we would look at how does this relate to your learning plans or career maps. And certainly if you've got a competency model in place for these roles, fantastic. If you don't, then we might need to put a sort of a scaffolded structure in place to say you're measuring against a, a benchmark, which might potentially change. Okay. And then looking at uh, learning groups and potentially how groups might uh, be engaging with these materials. Certainly your intended group, your intended audience might be engaging with materials, but are there other groups of people that are engaging with these materials? And might that be interesting to start to look at? There's an unintended group here that is accessing these materials. And what might I learn from that? And how might I credit those people for having gone through that, those materials? Yeah, that's an interesting consideration. What about informal learning? Where does that come into play? Yes, don't forget about informal learning because that is that is happening and that's happening all the time as we know. But it's more difficult to track. It is more difficult to track, but it's not impossible to track. So there are so there are ways to do this. It might mean it might mean making some changes in how you are tracking. So you 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 what you are trying to do is get the data into a pool that you can then evaluate, right? So if there is informal learning that's happening, you might want to then start structuring, adding um, different kinds of assessments to see if people have picked up information that isn't explicitly stated in a learning program that you have uh, okay. developed. So yeah. you know, putting in questions that might require people to go, have gone out and had conversations around the shop. You might want to put in a learning record store where it's a self-reported learning record and or e-portfolios. In its most simple form, it's a tick box for a learner to say, I've had these conversations, I've gone here, I've done this, I went to this event. If you don't have a, an LRS store, it might just simply be a tick box or even a uh, my own personal portfolio site. You probably want to have your manager, the managers of these people then certify yep. that, that, these, uh, that these things have happened. But it certainly can be done, and you should put some thought around how to do that. Yeah, because self-reporting can always be a little bit tricky. Self-reporting can be tricky. Don't discredit it. it is an, it's another input that if you get people into the practice of self-reporting, not everybody's going to do it. Let's be, let's be honest about yeah, it. Uh, but those people that do, it, and you start getting some reliable information from that, or at least regular information from that, then you know there's a pool of people that you might want to then engage with as you... Uh, look to transform a program. Okay, so is there a difference between measuring for knowledge and measuring for skills? There 
is, and there's going to be different ways that you might look to measure those inputs. So okay. knowledge, for example, is going to be all the things that are tied into the competence of, of a person in their role, right? So it's the all of the information and knowledge that they need to have in order uh, to do their job. And that's, that's stuff that can be pretty much fleshed out in any curricular area through standard assessments, through standard practical assessments as well. We would recommend that your skills and you know technical roles do this all of the time do the practical assessments where there is a there's a front loading of of knowledge but the knowledge then needs to be applied needs to be observed needs to be rehearsed yeah. needs to be corrected with a mentor and those kinds of skills are you know certainly for manual jobs, but I would also argue that those kinds of skills can be observed by managers and should be tracked by even other roles. So it's you could start to look at a uh, if you can find and create. And I know that there are a number of organizations that are doing this, and uh, we're currently working with an organization in the development of an observation tool for managers, so that they can quickly say. Yes, I've seen Janet do that this week. No, I didn't see Bob do that this week and go down the list and very quickly say yes to this and no to that as they go through. And then you can reliably start to track uh, observed behaviors in the workplace by the manager over a longer period of time. And that's a really important input that I think needs to be considered up front. If you don't have that kind of tool, think about the development of that tool. Think about how you're going to capture that the that the performance of individuals who've gone through your program has changed or hasn't changed and that it is verified uh, by their manager. This is also a slow burn of a process. This is going to take place if you're going to reliably start to gather data this is not something that you can wrap up in six months and be done with it. This takes quite a lot of time. Totally not. I mean, I wish I, I wish it was that easy, and it's not. We're, what we're talking about here, it's a rethinking of learning as and learning interventions as a business process. This is going to require involvement from many different business groups and people that you perhaps haven't been working with, like business analysts, like your CFO, like your brand people, and looking at their marketing initiatives because they might have uh, programs that they use and, and business benchmarks that they use around their brand engagement that you might want to then piggyback off of those in your learning programs. So, and and that this is done over a longer period of time and. Not only that, but you have to have an acceptance and from the organization. Zero. Yes, you have to have yeah. complete, uh, complete acceptance by the organization, and no ego to know that you've got to make changes to your program. The whole point is that you're looking for improvement and an acceptance that the programs that you currently have can always be improved upon. And so that's where you've got to let go. You've got to accept that there are going to be, you're, what you are doing is you are measuring and demonstrating potentially failure points, which you are going to share, but with the intention that you're going to be improving those right. 
and and continuing because this is having that this is this has that line of sight to the business impact measures that you've already indicated up front. Yeah. But what we're talking about here is essentially unsiloing a business, which isn't that easy in many cases. How for L and D? How how do you how would somebody get started on doing that? Yeah, so it it goes back to just get started. Just knock on doors, set mm -hmm. up meetings, and, and have the conversations. Your if you have a business analyst in house, they are going to be desperate to work with you on this program. I can assure you, because they are going to be working with only the tool sets that they that they have. Go not set a meeting, sit down with them, buy them lunch. Ask them what they are doing. Ask them what tools that they have in place and ask them what data inputs they have because they might already be pulling in data that might be useful because it sort of relates to programs that you already have in place or that you're considering putting in place. Right. So the data might already be there. You just may need to point your learners to that. That's the problem with siloing is that everyone's got data, but no one's sharing it. That's right. I can assure you that business leaders everywhere are concerned about the the investment they are making in learning and development. Yeah. Um, and I can assure you, it will not take much for you to find a a senior leader to sponsor you in this program, even knowing up front that it's that this is a long burn uh, initiative that you are going to be experimenting with and you're slightly playing in the dark by pulling data for the first time. But every leader will want to know what their investment is providing them. And with their senior sponsorship and a bit of and a bit of a dose of reality that they're not going to have they're not going to have the answers right away, but that if they get behind you on this as a program, you will be able to report to them valid regular faithful information that proves the impact of their spend is to the business so in wrapping things up are there any other salient points to bear in mind other than just get started and that this is not a quick and easy fix i mean just get started is the most important point but you review look at your business drivers what do you want to measure and why look at how your learning has landed how do you know that what is the engagement? Look at the performance behaviors that you have. And do you need to create new methods for analyzing and inputting data of, of observed behavior? And then look at the business impact measures that you've identified and see if those have improved. And those business impact measures are the, are the ones that you've identified up front and early on, and then looking to see whether things like lead conversions and call times or whether defibrillator uh, has been applied in time are going to be the key drivers, key business indicators that are, that are uh, leading indicators to support your program. This is also a really good time to mention that we have a very invaluable resource on leolearning.com. It's called the top 10 components for measuring the business impact of learning. It's a great ebook. It's free. It's on leolearning.com in the resources section. And it's all about components uh, that you can use to set up a strategy, things that you need to bear in mind when looking at measuring business impact and looking at learner analytics. Thank you, Patrick. Thanks, Joe. You've been listening to the Leo Learning Podcast, helping global organizations move learning to the heart of business strategy. Visit leolearning.com for more insights into leading the learning revolution.